Welcome to the Career Zone podcast, where each episode we spend a few minutes focusing on something that's on students' minds right now. I'm your host, Ray, an employability and careers consultant with the University of Exeter. And you can catch up with all of our series, keep up with all our regular releases by doing those subscribing and following things. We're on iTunes and Spotify. Hello, my name is Dave Gilmurray and I'm an employability and placement advisor for Exeter University based on the Penryn campus. Today we have a special guest with us, Louisa Street, who is an alumni of Exeter University. Thank you for your time today, Louisa. And I think we've got a, a range of things that we can sort of chat about, which I think will be of interest to, to our students and also just a, a great opportunity to kind of find out about what you're, what you're doing and kind of your experience at university and things as well. So thank you very much for your time. Louisa, could you give us a, a brief sort of introduction to yourself? Yeah, my name's Louisa Street. I studied at University of Exeter Penryn campus from 2005 to 2008. I studied geography and since then I have mostly been a youth worker, but we're going to get into kind of what that means, what that looks like and where I'm going from there, I think, as we go through. Amazing. And when did you graduate? 2008. 2008. So that was a three-year course, was it? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. The sort of work that you're doing currently is with We Are With You, isn't it? Could you give us a bit of an overview as to what it is that you're doing now? And then we'll kind of maybe sort of dig backwards and see how you got there. Yeah, absolutely. So, so yeah, We Are With You is a drug and alcohol support service. It's a national charity and I work for Wise Up, which is the young person's project within that that is based just in Cornwall. My role at Wise Up is going into schools and teaching young people about drugs and alcohol. It's very much about having a harm reduction approach to that. So I imagine some of the people listening would have had a very just say no drugs education. You might remember maybe police coming into school and telling you about the dangers of drugs and if you do ecstasy, you'll die and all that kind of thing. But we kind of veer away from that and try really hard to give young people information that will help them stay safe and also to keep their friends safe if they're using legal or illegal drugs. In addition to working for Wise Up, I also work on another project which is funded by Cornwall Council and it's all about young people's mental health. It's, it's called Head Start Kernow, which people might have heard of. And my role within that is training professionals to recognise the risks young people might be taking online and know how to deal with them in a kind of safeguarding context. Awesome. So with your sort of qualification, you know, from your course of geography uh, that you were doing at Exeter, how, what did the kind of career path look like for you to kind of go from there to where you are now? And was it, was it something that you kind of planned or, you know, what were you kind of aiming to do with your, with your degree once you graduated? Yeah, well, it, that's a really interesting question. I studied geography because I felt like I wanted to do something with my life that would make the world a better place and I felt like I needed to understand the world a bit better to be able to do that. My course was kind of half physical geography, half human geography and when I graduated I spent a year doing an admin job for Cornwall Council which you know I think a lot of people do and I think a lot of people come out of uni and kind of feel like if you're not intending to move back home it is sometimes just a case of getting whatever job you can to pay the rent. I did that for about a year and then I was like, no, I'm, you know, I'm ready to, to do something that's going to use my degree a bit more. So I started looking at jobs both within the sort of voluntary sector, working 
to help people and also in the environmental sector to help the environment. And that was all getting a little bit confusing. And I actually went to the careers career zone um as it you know as it was at the time and and had a mock interview and one of the bits of advice that i was given was pick one sector that you're you're going to apply for jobs in because otherwise you're going to end up doing so much prep and and you're not going to have like a coherent idea of what you're trying to sell yourself as essentially so i focused a bit more on the voluntary sector side of things and started applying for jobs working with young people partly because I'd been volunteering anyway for a little while as a brownie leader and I was kind of interested in supporting children and young people and the mock interview that I had was actually really helpful because it enabled me to explain how the skills that I gained in my voluntary work were relevant to the jobs that I was applying for and then the job that I got was kind of actually a little bit of admin so the admin job that I'd had turned out to be quite useful because it it got me a foot in the door but also doing some youth work and I I loved it I loved working with young people and I kind of knew that's what I wanted to do and a lot of people were saying well surely you should just be a geography teacher but I felt like that that wasn't where I wanted to go with it I wanted to do something a bit more hands-on I suppose with young people and that's kind of led me down that youth work route Okay. Awesome. So yeah, it's sort of born from a, a desire to make an impact and, and do good. Yes, exactly. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Not too dissimilar, I imagine, from, from a lot of people that have worked in, in youth work, I suppose. That desire of wanting to make a positive impact. Yeah, um, definitely. And a lot of people get into youth work through volunteering as well. And I think if there's something that I wish I'd known perhaps a little bit earlier was that that sort of voluntary work can be so beneficial because it can show you whether or not you actually like working in that way with people but it can also give you that experience that is really valuable absolutely and yeah such a great kind of way to sort of, as you say sort of test the water and find out if something is for you or not yeah um, and if it is for you then you know all of a sudden if you then find yourself in a voluntary position that you quite enjoy you're you're learning loads of new skills which are valuable to not only the organization that you're volunteering with but also future ones down the line that are going to benefit from from your skill set you mentioned doing some mock interviews with career zone and i might be sort of showing myself up here as being slightly green because i've been in in position not not for that long but (laughs) is that part of something called the extra award at the time does that ring a bell or i didn't do the extra award i was kind of aware of it no the mock interview that i did actually was after i graduated and something that was kind of news to me I suppose where at that point was that I could still access that support for a few years after graduation which yeah as soon as I found that out I was like great well in that case that's who yeah. I'm going to go and speak to. That's cool I, my understanding is that the advice and services from, from Carrizo are open sort of for, for quite a long period of, of time if, if not indefinitely for, for graduates on XDSD so and that's a really great example of somebody like yourself using the service actually after they've graduated. Perhaps it sort of becomes more more obviously valuable once you've graduated, perhaps, and for people that are then then may start to freak out about what happens once they've got their degree. So, and it can be really thing. hard to know where to get that careers advice yep. from as well, because like you know, I was sort of thinking, well the careers service that I don't think actually exists anymore was much more aimed at people coming out of sixth form and I kind of felt like well that's not where I am you know I've got this quite significant qualification that I want to be using and you know I needed some more tailored advice so yeah yeah, it was really helpful. 
And, and you also get, you I mean, kind of getting access to, to career service when you're unemployed, for example, is, is relatively easy. But if you're already in work, but you want to kind of move in a slightly different direction or try and progress in some way or move to a different sector, that's, I think that's when it becomes a bit, a bit harder to, to just find access to those resources and those people as well. Definitely, yeah. What was your kind of experience at, at the University of Exeter kind of throughout your, your degree and how do you, do you feel like it kind of prepared you for the world of work or was that something that you kind of only figured out once you graduated and, and started kind of getting involved with voluntary positions and, and the career zone and that sort of thing? Well, firstly, I absolutely loved my my whole degree experience, both the kind of social and the educational side of it. I had a really, really wonderful time at university and have very fond memories of it. I was very focused on learning when I was studying and I wasn't really thinking too much about the future. And it wasn't until quite far into the three years that I started thinking, oh, I'm actually going to need to think about what happens after this. But I did, there was quite a lot of options for kind of self-directed learning on my course. And I did quite a lot of them. And I found that really helpful when I did get into the workplace to kind of have quite a clear idea of how I work best. And so that was a really useful skill that I developed without necessarily realising that I was developing it. (laughs) But, But yeah, otherwise, I don't think I was really thinking too much about what I was going to do in the long term. I had, you know, had part-time jobs and stuff whilst I was studying and, but they were very, you know, either very short term or sort of manual labour kind of things just to fund my social life. (laughs) Very diplomatically worded. I I didn't go to the University of Exeter. I I had a, went to a different university, but when I graduated in 2007, I don't think I was even really aware of a career service. The fact that, you know, the resources are, are so kind of well thought out and, and accessible to people, I think, is, is really important. If I could go back in time and, and kind of engage with something similar, I think that would have been really helpful. So, yeah. yeah, definitely. And I think, I mean, I often kind of thought if I was going back to do a bachelor's degree now, I would probably do yeah. something different to what I did. But I don't regret what I studied. I just, yeah, I, I didn't yeah. kind of go into it with an idea of a career. But, you know, again, I think that's quite useful because university is a great time to learn. And so, you know, you're you're, whatever you're doing, you're filling your brain up with good stuff. So, (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, Yeah, I think, as you say, it's a it's a great way of finding out a bit more about yourself. And, you know, at the time when you're applying for university, if you're 17, 18 years old, I don't think anyone really knows what they want to do career wise you you go for something that you think sounds like it might be a good fit and then you find out whether it is or not (laughs) Um, and then I think that's where all these kind of things like you know volunteering and all these kind of skills that you then build up during your time at university then give you kind of the toolkit to then go and explore further outside of your your particular kind of subject of your degree for example so for yourself it's geography and you've ended up kind of doing some youth work things and I kind of have a, a reasonably similar journey in terms of like I did film but I ended up doing some youth work things yeah, I think that's very kind of typical of, of people's experiences from university now, uh, which I think is really interesting. So you're about to come back to higher education with a PhD. Really exciting. Yeah. yeah. Can you tell us a bit about the, the PhD, what it is that you'll be doing? Yeah, so um, it's actually a four year course. So it's one year of master's study followed by three years of PhD. And it's a funded course 
which really is focused on young people, sexting and the law. And because for anyone who's paying attention at the beginning, you'll kind of be aware that my interests are kind of around young people's digital lives and around kind of harm reduction and, and that kind of thing. And this brings those two things together really nicely. And so, yeah, I'm hoping that I'll be able to develop the resources that are available to help professionals deal with issues that young people face, essentially, that that's kind of where I see that going, whilst also perhaps influencing policy at a higher level and, and potentially even legal issues at a higher level. Because what I've seen over the years that I've been working with young people is that you can do brilliant work with one young person or you can do brilliant work with one professional, but when the policy, uh, you know, the sort of Department for Education level, for example, is this is bad and this is, you know, this is illegal and this is what we teach young people about it, we're never well, really going to see systemic change. I suppose there's a lack of transparency as to what's actually going on and happening if people are scared to be saying, oh, I've done this or I've received this or whatever it may be. Yeah. I, one of the things that I think is a great example is if you're 17 and you take mm -hmm. a sexually explicit image of yourself and you send it to someone and it gets shared on without your consent, you have broken the law, as has the person who's shared it on without your consent. If you're 18 and that happens to you, they have broken the law and you haven't and you're actually protected by the revenge pornography laws. So we can kind of see that the way the law works isn't suitable for the lives that people are living now the the law that governs the generation of sexually explicit images of minors was written in 1978 so it's mm. yeah it, it's not it didn't ever kind of conceive that young people might be taking these images of themselves yeah and, and presumably before kind of technology would have really allowed that to happen in the way that it does now as well yeah exactly yeah if you if you had to take your film <laughs> roll down to the local yeah. pharmacy <laughs> yeah Probably not going to want then to start putting it in the poster people. Yeah, that'd be yeah. A different, different sort of scenario. But that, I mean, that's a really interesting kind of you know bit of information. I think it's probably not something that a lot of people are aware of. And you know, where does the law kind of sit with all of that sort of stuff, and what needs to change? And yeah, yeah, that sounds really, really interesting. What made you kind of consider coming back to higher education? Was it was it that PhD in particular, or was it because you just wanted to come back to a university, or? What was the kind of motivation behind that? What was the thought process? Well, I was so I was really fortunate with the Head Start project that I've been working on. I work alongside Professor Andy Fippin, whose kind of career has been very much dedicated to young people's digital lives and, and mm -hmm. the laws governing them. And as part of that, I was fortunate to be asked to co-author a book with Andy about the project that we've been working on. And I really enjoyed it and I've really enjoyed the project. We've done a lot of focus groups with young people and I felt like that research element is something that I'm really interested in. Plus, if you look at a lot of sectors, you kind of have the, the jobs like, for example, being a youth worker, which if you love working with young people, the next step in the career progression is going to take you away from that because the next step is going to be managing other youth workers. And I felt like that's not the direction mm -hmm. I want to go in. I want to have that connection with young people and sure. possibly research is going to allow me to do that more so whilst also kind of keeping that momentum career wise. So after the book was published, I started looking at funded PhDs that were working specifically with young people around their digital lives 
So it was quite niche. I knew that I wanted funding for it because I knew I wasn't going to be able to self-fund for it. And actually, I was really surprised to find the range of funded PhDs that were available that I was eligible to apply for, even, you know, with my academic background being geography, that didn't actually preclude me from being able to apply for them. And, and so, you, yeah, didn't, that was... you didn't need a master's to, to be able to apply for the PhD or, or no. do you have a master's? I'm not sure, sorry. Um, I don't have a master's yet. I will be doing one as yeah. part of the, the course that I'm doing. So okay. a lot of them had a like stipulation that, you mm-hmm. know, there was a master's included in it or that there was a year of study included in it. But a lot of those courses that I was looking at were really, I think, trying to get people who have been working in the field or, you know, in in that sort of area. So that kind of element of it was funded as part of it. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I would say if you're really interested in going on to do a PhD, getting some work experience is going to mean that if you then wanted to look at those funded courses, you're going to be that much more of a appealing candidate. Sure. And for somebody who might be thinking, you know, might be listening to this and thinking that they might be interested in looking at a PhD, Mm. what was your kind of experience in terms of trying to find one? You know, is it there specialised websites you go to or did you, how does that work? There are, I cannot remember what it was called. That's right. <laughs> uh, there, there's one that is like a PhD finder website and I think it's called okay. Find a PhD or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll find out and, and you can put the link to okay. it with the podcast. But yeah, that kind of allows you to search by whether you want funded or whether that's not important yeah. and then keywords that might be interested to you. You can narrow it down by institution and all that kind of thing and and yeah without that I just wouldn't have known where to start so that was really yeah. helpful what's the name of the of the book you've co-written then for people that it'd be um, quite nice to have that maybe linked in the description as well it's called online resilience in young people I think okay. <laughs> obviously you know keeping keeping track of all of yes. these important <laughs> so many academic publications it's hard to keep track <laughs> yeah absolutely so it's online resilience and well-being in young people Okay. Awesome. So my next question is, what career advice would you give yourself if you could speak to your, your, I think you may have covered it already really, but yeah, if you could Um, speak to the student version of yourself. I think, well, there's a couple of things. I think the first thing I would say is don't worry if things don't seem to have a clear goal. I moved around quite a lot. I've worked mainly with young people, but I've also worked with adults. I had a, a period where I gave up everything and decided to set up a business making surfboards and you know that that didn't work out but it was a great learning experience. I also had a period where I was working in a shop which again kind of at the time felt like oh what am I doing with my life but actually I learned some really useful things working there which kind of led me to be a, a better more well-rounded person and, mm-hmm. and kind of have a deeper understanding of systems and that kind of thing. Yeah. So, yeah, not, not panicking too much if things don't seem to have a really clear direction of travel. And I think also there have been a lot of occasions where I felt like, oh, I need another qualification. I should I should be qualifying as something. I should be a professional X, Y or Z. But I always kind of felt like, oh, that particular thing that's available, that doesn't appeal to me that much. I'm not interested in doing that. And that's actually a lower level of qualification than I've already got. And I worried about that a lot. And, you know, I could have done a lot of those qualifications over the years. 
but now that I'm sort of setting off to to do a PhD it kind of feels like it was the right decision for me to kind of just keep working and and getting that learning through experience and you know I don't think I needed any of those other qualifications I wouldn't have known that at the time that there's no there's no way that I could have foreseen that but there's yeah. an element of, of commitment as well if you know if you've got a, a qualification that you think I could do this mm. do I want to commit x y and z do I want to commit you know the, the time or possibly the funds necessary to do that if it's not necessarily within my interest but it's kind of linked to what I'm currently doing but is that what I want to be what I want to be doing in the future exactly the yeah kind of decisions to make I think yeah um, but that advice of, of kind of like not worrying if you have a a particular as you called it path of travel in mind I think is really valuable I think people's ideas on as to what they want to do and how they achieve that change and, and I feel like they still they still change I'm not sure if that ever really goes away no um, no for people that do know exactly what they want to do brilliant you know and, and you've, you've got all the all the resources at your disposal to do so but I think yeah. you know I think it's really important to emphasize that, that if you don't feel like you have that that's probably quite normal <laughs> definitely and I think it's really easy to look at people and think they've had a really clear career path and mm. and you know they must have known what they were doing all along and you know I've I've done it myself I've talked to people about my career and it might look like yes I I knew exactly where I wanted yes. to get 15 years after graduating but the reality is actually you know it, it's been a, a much more weaving path that sometimes I worried about <laughs> yeah absolutely I think it's very easy to look back on a, a CV or a LinkedIn profile particularly if someone for example someone that you don't know or that one doesn't know mm. and look through their job history and go oh well that makes sense I understand yeah. how they got here now and I think there's value in that in terms of like if you want to have an end goal that's similar to somebody else that you're looking at you can kind of see what their pathway looks like and it kind of makes sense but what you don't see is that internal panic yeah. <laughs> their journey on the way there of like yeah. what happens now yeah <laughs> absolutely yeah something else that I thought was worth having a chat about because I think it's really really interesting is pack share as well can you tell us a bit about what pack share is Yes. So Packshare is a website which people can use. So say, for example, you get a delivery from Amazon and you've ordered maybe one new charging cable and it comes in a big box full of bubble wrap. You can go onto the Packshare website and find a local business who will be able to reuse that packaging. And actually, the idea for Packshare really came from working in a shop. So, you know, when I say that, that taught me a lot. One of the things mm -hmm. it taught me is that Packaging is expensive. Businesses don't mm. want to have to buy in packaging, but at the same time, they don't have a choice because you can't send something inappropriately packaged because it will get broken and then that is going to affect yeah. your bottom line. And so I started thinking about how can we do something about this? Because, you know, there's nothing wrong with the bubble wrap when it gets to the other end, but mm -hmm. the person at the other end doesn't need it. So yeah, Packshare is all about, it's the, it's the kind of circular economy ideal of saying, you know, you don't need this, this is waste to you, but actually to, to someone down the road, that could be absolute gold. So uh, the idea yeah. is Packshare helps link those people up and helps them find the local people that can reuse that packaging. And when did you start Packshare? Um, oh, it was about Four years ago, four or five years ago now, yeah. So I, I'd been talking to my partner about it for a while and I'd been moaning about how awful it was <laughs> that all of this packaging was just going to waste. And I'd had this idea 
And uh, one morning he just said, I think we should just do it. I think we actually need to do this because it's a really good idea and it doesn't exist yet. So yeah, we kind of got the ball rolling. I'm in a very fortunate position that my dad is a coder. So he wrote the code for Packshare. So it's a kind of family business really. And yeah, we, we just kind of provide that service for people and try and let people know about it as well because obviously the idea is the more people know about it the more no. packaging we can keep in circulation i'm, I'm not i'm sort of sketching the details but there was involvement with chamber of commerce and yeah. there's something within X university as well yes yeah so we we got a few bits of um of help along the way so mm -hmm. i think for any new business in cornwall there's various support so there was new business support for us to help us get started that was organised by Cornwall Council. And then also we got funding from Tevi, which is part of University of Exeter. And that was to basically rebuild our website to give us yeah. the ability to deal with much bigger capacity of users. And that you know that was fantastic that really helped us um take that that next step because obviously money is quite a big thing when you're setting up a business and and particularly if you're doing something environmental there are lots of funds that you can access and help you know tevi really helped us with filling in all the forms because mm -hmm. some of them were quite serious looking spreadsheets that we had to put the correct data yeah. into and they talked us through all of that and and actually double checked everything for us so there was no kind of risk that just because we'd put figure in the wrong box the funding wouldn't come through or anything so that was really helpful awesome heard it here first for people that have <laughs> an entrepreneurial spirit there's access through chamber of commerce and heavy which is linked to the university of extra as well so i will also include those links in the, in the description of the of the podcast i think that might just do it Excellent. thank you so much for your time wish you all the best for the future and I hope the I hope the PhD is everything that you want it to be and more. Well if any students want to get in touch with me particularly around the sort of youth work side or, or mm -hmm. the Packshare side they can email me it's louisa.street at packshare.org. Thank you so much. Thanks. Awesome and for, for everyone else that's listening you've also got access to advice and guidance through the career zone um, so you've got access to employability and placement advisors such as myself as well as careers consultants as well so do come in and say hello and just let us know kind of what you're thinking and how we can help you get there this was the career zone podcast brought to you by the university of exeter career zone you can find this series on itunes and spotify so do subscribe and follow us to keep up with our regular releases and we would love to hear from you. So if there is something on your mind, then share your thoughts or questions on Instagram at UOE Career Zone or at UOE Cornwall Career Zone or Twitter at UOE Careers. Hashtag Career Zone Podcast and we'll follow up in one of the next episodes. Finally, of course, you can find out more information about all the support we offer at exeter.ac.uk slash careers.